Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Well, good morning, everyone. You guys are a very quiet crew this morning. What's the story? Well, I'll make it sure we're not quiet anymore. Here we go. I have great encouragement. The person who wrote this really meant it. John West, thank you for freely sharing your faith with so many. And thank you for sharing your knowledge in so many areas. We so appreciate you. I didn't write that, but I'm going to say amen. There you go. Let's give it up for John right back there. Woo! Tell you what, I like that guy. I like that guy. Did I ever tell you you remind me of my dad? You're just a, a quiet, quiet leader, and I, I really appreciate you. Ryan Compton, I'm so grateful for your gifted way of communicating biblical truth in colorful ways. Great application. Amen. That was awesome. Give it up for Ryan. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's another amazing young man. Praise God for the amazing young leader we have in the body of Christ here at Pleasant Hill, Blake George. They just left. Oh, okay. I'll say it really loud, Blake, so you can hear. Strong man of integrity with an honest and good heart. Let's give it up for Blake George. Awesome. Here's another amazing young man that we are blessed to have here in our congregation. Andrew in the back. Really? Yes, Andrew. Someone's thinking of you. I'm, and I also said something nice to you today, too. I mean, we're talking. You're a rock star today. All right. Man. Oh, by the way, I got a little embarrassed, a little red. I can feel it coming on. If you need your house painted by a professional, Andrew's the man. Now, I may, probably shouldn't have done that because now everybody's going to want you and you don't have time because school's starting, but I'll tell you what, you come to see our house, wow, it is amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, trust this guy, wow. Anyway, Andrew, so thankful for the amazing job you do, you do to provide for your schooling. You work so hard and you do it so well, as long as somebody else knows about you. Thank you for painting our house. Oh, it must be my wife. Best... But the best part was time around the dinner table getting to know you. I'm talking, you know what? You really get to know somebody when you have dinner with them. That was great. Thanks, Andrew. Let's give it up for Andrew. Woo-hoo! That was awesome. Miriam K., you are a wonderful person. You do so much and so many good things behind the scenes. And I would say for so many. Amen. Let's give it up for Miriam. Woo-hoo! All right. Here's a saint that's near and dear to my heart. You know, it's really exciting when someone steps in and just comes on strong, uh, just jumps right in with his, his talent and ability. Jeff Sharon, thanks for being faithful to the assembly, being encouraging. I'm grateful for your work on the church building. There you go. Thank you, Jeff Sharon. Awesome. By the way, I'm going to give an announcement right now. Uh, we are having work days coming up. Jeff Sharon is the lead on those. Uh, We need two people to step up and help on Friday the 18th, Jeff, uh, work on the old building. We have a man lift that we've rented. And so in order to be most effective and efficient with uh, our use 
of that tool. Jeff has asked two other people to come and help him on the 18th. Uh, please talk to him. Uh, also the 19th, which is Saturday, we need two additional folks um, to help Jeff. And then finally on the 20th, after assembly, um, there's some things that need to be done. So uh, please uh, ask Jeff, and he's got the program all kind of set out. He knows what to do. And so I uh, appreciate you so much. So Sharon Compton, I appreciate your example of serving God anywhere there is a need. You are a blessing, encouragement, and inspiration, especially to your knuckleheaded husband. No, I just added that one. There you go. Let's give it up for Sharon. Woo! Wow. Oh, you know, I, I shouldn't have had you do that. Here's another one for Mrs. Compton. Uh, you are a very sweet person, and I could say that. Amen, amen. And you do so many nice things for so many people. Let's give it up for her once again. I love you. That's great. Jamie B., I love your hugs and your sweet smile uh, that I can see in your eyes. You know what? Even, even though you're masked. The masked woman. Yes, you smile with your eyes and her hugs too, huh? Awesome job. All right, finally, the Ewing family for your love for the word and the body of... Oh, yeah, yeah, let's give it up for Jamie. Woo! All right, wow. I, I would have heard about that one later. <laughs> but not by you, of course. Uh, the Ewing family, for your love for the word and the body of Christ, thankful to serve here with you. We had an awesome dinner. When was it? Friday. Friday. Man, it was great. It was awesome. It's been, and I felt like I was just impinging on your time. It was awesome. It was wonderful. So anyway, there you go. Let's go for the Ewing family. <laughs> California's loss is our gain. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. All right, so Sunday Evening Assembly is out here tonight, and uh, we're going to get the podium out here. Ryan Compton, you know that guy that someone said could colorfully illustrate the Word of God? He's coming, and he's going to be colorfully illustrating once again tonight. I really, really appreciate his preaching style, and uh, he really does use illustrations that, that you can understand and you can quickly apply to your life. And so I'm excited to hear what he has to share tonight. So preacher in training, I think he's pretty well trained, but we're getting an opportunity to have him deliver the word to us. Monday night, there will be no college age group because it's Memorial Day, Labor Day. Why? I was been Memorial Day the whole last week and the week before. We're supposed to remember something. No, not to labor. Okay, so uh, no dinner uh, or study, so young people, you might starve. Um <laughs> Lady, lady study begins this Thursday, 7 o'clock at the Parks House, right? Yes, I got it. And uh, I also talked about the work days, but please put down on your calendars. Uh, oh, by the way, announcement. You have calendars. You don't have to put it down. You just need to grab one. That was a great segment. I didn't even know I was going to do it. Calendars are out there as you come in, so please grab one for September and October. Everything is on there except for you get to write in your own personal creativity. Lady study, Thursday nights, 7 o'clock at the Parks Place, because I forgot to do that. Okay, there you go. No, 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 I, I, we're, we got the family pictures are. PACC family photos right there. And I got a flyer. And you should have a flyer from last week. The flyer is uh, the 13th from... 
1 to 2.30. All right. And then the following Sunday, the 20th, uh, 1 to 2.30. We want to see your beautiful, amazing, awesome family in front of Jamie's uh, um, camera because we need to update our family photo uh, bulletin board. And uh, I'm looking a lot better these days. My hairstyle has improved. And so I'm pretty excited to get my... What was that about? Somebody was grunting in the audience. Oh, all right. It's because I... Got it. Got it. <laughs> you know, God makes those who uh, have chrome domes, you know, that much more handsome. That's what I got to say. Yes. of Elijah Bristow Park. So 1 to 2.30 at the very end of Elijah Bristow Park. Yeah, it's beautiful down there. So if you know where Elijah Bristow Park is, ask Jamie. That would be great, and she'll give you all the lowdown of where where uh, she needs to go. Uh, any other announcements before we move on to our... Say, way in the back, Pat. I want to thank everyone who has shared zucchini, and I have a... Uh, And if somebody really, if somebody really wants to do that instead of handwriting that out, I'm so thankful you left that there. We'll photocopy it for you. Okay. So that way you won't have to spend a half an hour writing the zucchini thing down. So we'll, there we'll, are recipes on both sides. So okay, great, awesome. So there we go. Okay. Sweet. Thank you. So I, I think I got it all. I think I got all the announcements, and I got the words of encouragement. So I'm sorry. Is it your anniversary this week? Did I miss that? Where is my... Is it in there? Well... Oh, it's it's Jeff's birthday, but, you know, he's gone. Yeah. Uh-huh. How many blissful years has it been to? Two years. Let's give it up for the Georges. Hey, if you missed their wedding, it was amazing. It was awesome. It was great. I had a great time. It was awesome. Did anybody cry at that wedding besides me? Anybody else? Okay. It's terrible when the preacher starts blubbering, you know. It's just like, you know, sucking it in. So anyway, that just means I love you guys, and I still do. It's great. So, All right, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms in chapter 16 and verse 11. I think I am ready to go. I'm on, recording everything. Okay, anyway. Thankful for all those who are joining us this morning in virtual sermon land, whatever we want to call that. Thank you for joining. And so let's begin in Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11. And I'm going to, I'm going to read three, three passages this morning. I'm going to briefly introduce each passage and then we're going to camp on the last one. So Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11. Notice the writer here says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Briefly stated, this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ being seated at the right hand of God. 
Everyone knows that who has studied the scriptures. The apostle Peter used this very passage when he proclaimed Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ. And this was one of the great and important parts of the gospel. Jesus seated at the right hand of power. Now, if you'll study a little bit further, you'll come to realize that that's actually speaking about the Christians. Because Paul clearly states in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 6, which we'll read a little bit later, that when we became Christians, we were raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. That's past tense, already seated with him in the heavenly places. Eternal life begins at the moment of conversion. Therefore, the fullness of joy can be ours right now and the pleasures forever can be ours right now. Now let's look at the next passage of scripture that we looked at last week. And as I shared with you, um, I didn't have enough time to preach at all and come to find out as I was uh, working on finishing up uh, the, the lesson. We're gonna have to do three parts to this uh, lesson. And so this is part two of a three-part mini-series on Psalms uh, 133, verses 1, 2, and 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like, the dwelling together in unity is like, the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like, that is, the dwelling together in unity is like, the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded blessing life forever. If you'll recall last week's sermon, and if you weren't able to, to be here, you can go online to our website and find the Facebook link and go to the Facebook link and you can, you can uh, review last week's sermon on this very passage of scripture. But the reality is this, is that one of the pleasures forever is dwelling together with the brethren in unity. One accord, no division, one mind, one heart, one spirit, one purpose in Christ Jesus. And it is absolutely amazing. Now we're not done with that lesson. And we looked at verse two and verse three and actually verse two and verse three is telling us that through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the dew of Hermon, is referring to the, the fruit of the Spirit and the refreshment that the Spirit gives to our lives. And the precious oil is talking about the oil of, of uh, anointing. And for us, it was the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit is what allows us to live together in unity. And that's what we're going to continue to talk about this morning. And so now I'd have you turn to the great prayer of our high priest, Jesus uh, in the book of John in chapter 17. In the gospel of John in chapter 17, this is the high priestly prayer. His heart's desire is making the sacrifice that he was about to make uh, after he had had supper with his uh, disciples. He would be brought into custody and it was not too many hours later that he would be crucified. And so, this okay, there we go. I want to go through verse by verse this passage of scripture because how many of you, and I want you to be honest with me and don't raise your hand and jump and say, yeah, that's me. Don't do that. That would be embarrassing. But how many have ever had a preacher read a relatively long passage of scripture 
Uh, this isn't by the Apostle Paul, but it could be with, you know, very little, few periods and lots of commas and the, oh, that's okay. I hear myself. Anyway, so, so how many have ever had someone read the scripture and you're reading, you know, I've read this before and you don't really get really what's there. Well, I pray that as we work through this, that we'll get what's really being said by King Jesus regarding dwelling together in unity, perfect unity. And let me begin with this, is that doctrine is not what produces unity. Amen. Doctrine is the foundation that we would come together as one, working together, but doctrine is not that which brings about unity. King Jesus said, it's the glory of God that brings about unity, that unity can be perfected in his glory. So we need to know what glory is. And part two of this morning's lesson, we'll talk about glory. But we're going to define next week how glory can actually produce the unity that is so pleasurable and so pleasant and so unlike the world. So next week, we'll finish up. But I want to go through this passage because it's so critically important. And so let's begin this morning. And if you'll grab your, your note pages, hopefully if you're watching online, you've printed them out. And uh, online, you've noticed that some words are emboldened in yellow. For us, it's a shaded color. And so let's begin in point number one, prayer for unity with the Father and the Son. Notice the star that I put there. In Christ, Christians are united together as one body. We are one in the spirit. If you did your homework, as I asked you to do last week, you gave us homework? Well, yeah, there was some homework. Remember, I didn't get it done, and I asked you to do some homework. If you looked at Ephesians chapter 4, it says that, that the preachers and teachers and elders are to help people come up to the full measure of the stature, which belongs to Christ, which is the unity of the faith, the one faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. And also in that context, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it talks about the unity of the Spirit. Same word as what Jesus is using right here. That we would become one as he and the Father are one. And so let's take a look. Verse 20, but for those who believe, let's look at verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. The these alone, Jesus is talking about the apostles. He's praying to the Father, and we get to hear his heart. And he's praying to the Father. He says, you know, I'm not, I'm not only asking or praying for the apostles, but what does he say? But for those who believe in me through their word. The those who believe in Jesus Christ through their word are Christians. And so he's talking about Christians, those who have heard the word of God and in faith have responded and become sons and daughters of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, having had their sins forgiven so that they can be raised up to walk in newness of life. Verse 20 is, Jesus is actually saying, I'm not just praying for the apostles, Father, that they would be glorified. I'm also praying for all Christians, all those who would become your sons and daughters through the preaching of the apostles. That's what's being stated there. Guess who Christians are? If you've been a faithful and obedient to the gospel, he's talking about you. So verse 21 is so important. 
that they, Christians, may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Now, verse 21 starts with a little word, four letters, that. You know the word that has a big meaning? The word that in this context actually means this, and I've given you a little bit of room there to write it down, verse 21, that. That means, the word that means for this reason, for this cause, the reason I've done this, the reason I'm praying for these people who will become Christians, the word that literally means for this reason, for this cause, or for this end, I have been praying. And then he tells what the end is, what the cause is, what the goal is in verse 21. That they, Christians, may all be one, even as, in the same, exact same way, as Father and Son are one, that you and I would be one. Different members of one body. The, the skills and talents and abilities that God has given me may or may not be the skills and talents and abilities he's given you, but we are one body. How many have ever, young men here, ever been out working with a little hatchet? Your dad gives you a hatchet. I'm a Boy Scout. I got a hatchet now. And how many have ever been chopping wood and you've chopped one of your appendages? Anybody here? Yeah, me too. All right. Hey, like father, like son. Hey, you know what? I didn't chop my appendage off, but my appendage knew that this appendage damaged this appendage and it wasn't fun. We weren't working together in unity. That's called a good example of body not working together in unity. You know what, brethren? We're one body. We are one body working together. God has gifted each one so that we would come together and be a whole. And so not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be, you know, a servant. You want me to do Lord's Supper bread? How many of you want to die? I'm glad for whoever's doing Lord's Supper bread. I don't know what to put in it. How many have ever eaten some with too much salt? Too much arsenic. You know, I don't know how to do that. And so praise God, I'm not the one doing that. You want me to fix this building? Well, we're going to have to get a new building pretty quick. Thanks, Jeff. You see, we need a record. You want me to work with the electronics? Well, I'm going to be dead and you're going to have to get a new preacher. Oh, really? Well, anyway, just we got to know that I don't have, I have a few skill and you have some too, but together we can accomplish more. Amen? Each one of us. That's the key about unity here. So Jesus is praying that we'll all be one as the Father and the Son are one. But look at that may, that they may be in us. Verse 21, this is powerful. That they may all be one even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That, there it is. With This is the reason I'm saying this. That they also may be in us. You see, God wants us to be in him. We've talked about presence. The presence in him at his right hand, his presence in us with the Holy Spirit, and our presence in the life of people around us. We're talking about presence, and this is a, a part of that. May, may be in us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, or excuse me, Ephesians 2. Let me confirm once again. If you have not been in the assembly for a long period of time, uh, this passage of scripture is a profoundly powerful passage of scripture about who we are as Christians and where we are spiritually 
speaking, the spiritual reality of where we are. Notice Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, talk about what we were before we were Christians. We were in darkness. We were in sin. We were a mess. But, verse 4 starts with the word but, transition word, but, he says, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Brethren, in your notes there where it says that they may be in us, write Ephesians chapter 4. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm stuck on the 4. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. We are in him, seated at his right hand for an express purpose that we would be glorified. By the way, we're going to read a passage of scripture that says Christians already are in glory right now. And someday we'll be in the fullness of glory. But right now we are in glory by faith. The faith of the son of God. But look at that last phrase there. The last phrase in verse 21 on point number one. So that the world may believe. Why does God want us to be in him, seated at his right hand, working in perfect unity? Why? What's the reason? So that this might happen. Look at verse 21. So that the world may believe that you sent me. You know, people are going to believe that Jesus is real if they see Jesus in you and me. But what's the common statement made by people? Well, I am not going to go to church. I know what kind of people go to church. They're all a bunch of what? Unfortunately, sadly, that's happened to a lot of people. It's a bunch of people that say a lot of churchy, churchy stuff, and then they live like the devil. We need to recognize that we're in his presence, and we have been glorified, and that means something, brethren. That means that the glory of God is in us and we are in his glory. We don't even know necessarily what that means, but it's powerful. It's the key to unity. It's the key of helping people in the world see Jesus Christ. They will know we are Christians by our hate for one another. Oops, I I guess I made a mistake. I'm glad you caught me on that one. Jesus said that they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. Amen? Amen. Your sacrificial love for one another. Laying it all down for others. That's powerful, brethren. And people will know that we are Christians. And if they know we're Christians, that means they know that there is who? Christ in us and we are in Christ. You know when someone really lives the Christian life? People take note. People in the world take note. People in the body of Christ take note. Remember, last year we talked about the second law of momentum, the power of sincerity. I did that for a reason. We have to choose to be the genuine people of God and not churchianity. Not church people. Not church lady. Not church man. But we need to be true 
Christians, anointed ones of God who manifest the very glory of God. And that's what point number two is about. Turn to point number two. Point number two, verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them. The word glory can be translated light. The word glory can also, when you dig a little bit, the word glory means his magnificent character. His magnificent character. The glory of God is his magnificent character. Now, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Again? Hey, I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. And if I'm teaching, I can give homework assignments. I mean, if I'm preaching, you know, I never heard, you know, Paul give a homework assignment. But hey, I'm teaching, so I'm giving you a homework assignment. I want you to go back and do a careful study of the checked mark exodus here. Here we go. Check out Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23, and verse 34, verses 6 through 7. I'm going to give you the cliff notes. The, you know what cliff notes are? It's the Reader's Digest version. Moses comes up to the Lord. Lord, show me your glory. And God says, okay, I will. Why? Because I want to manifest you to the world. You go back and check it out. That's what he says. And so God says, okay, but you know what? You can't see my face because you'll be done. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to stick you in the cleft of the rock and put my hand on. And when my glory passes by, you'll see the trailing edge of my glory. Jumping into chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. And so when the glory passes by, you're waiting for a big blast of light. The Lord the Lord God compassionate. The Lord, the Lord God gracious. The Lord, the Lord God, seven powerful character qualities of God pass before Moses. The glory of God is his magnificent character and he chose to start with compassion. And if you know anything about compassion, compassion does not begin with you. Compassion begins with a person that you see is struggling and has a need. And you draw near to them in empathy. And you feel what they feel. And you see what they see. And you understand what they understand so that you can embrace their pain. And then you, being outside of that, can reach out and touch them. Jesus was the definition of God's compassion. When I was at the almost re real end of my rope at 22 years old, nothing to live for. I was looking for a reason to live. And by a series of events, I believe, directed by God, I received a Bible, began to read my Bible, I came across a passage of scripture, Hebrews 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, press on to maturity, not laying again a, a, a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And if God permits, we shall do this. God, please allow me to know these. I don't know them. I don't want to end up on the wrong side of eternity. 
as I started to study those, I came to a realization from God's word what I needed to do. And by the grace of God, not by anything I've ever done, but by the grace of God, I humbled myself in faithful obedience to his word. Was immersed into Christ and I came up out of the water grave to walk in newness of life. Now, brethren, we need to understand and recognize that this exodus, show me thy glory. There's an important statement there. The glory that Moses saw transformed him and all he had to do was come into the Lord's presence and spend time with the Lord. We're gonna learn more about that next week. Colossians chapter one, verses 25 through 28. Would you turn there, please? Colossians chapter one, verses 25 through 28. This has to do with the glory of God. Listen very carefully, moving into the New Testament now. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through uh, 28, notice the Apostle Paul says, Of this church I was made a minister, a servant, according to the stewardship or the giftedness from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery, which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. God manifests a very special mystery to his church. Reading on it says, to whom, verse 27, to whom, that is the saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. God wants us to know what are the individual riches of the glory of God. And then he says, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope the anticipation of glory. Christ in you means the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of Christ enters into you, many of you know this already, the Spirit of Christ is also called the Spirit of glory. The Spirit of glory indwells you. And it's the Spirit of God. God's glory indwells you. And you are seated with Him in the heavenly places in glory. You are glorified and filled with glory as a Christian. And it's glory that brings us together as one. We need to recognize that. If we do not, we will be people that will go back to the doctrine. Well, you don't believe exactly like I do, so I don't like you. Wow, that's cool. You believe like I do, but you don't talk nice to me. I don't like you. You think the church building should be blue instead of white. I don't like you. That's what's going to happen, brethren. It's got to be the glory of God's magnificent character that draws us together as one. And it's so pleasant when people work together in one accord. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Again, another passage of scripture that speaks of his glory and that in fact his people have been glorified already. We have been granted glory by being in him and he in us. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 20, what do I have down there in my notes? 28 or 29? 29. Excellent. There we go. Verse 29. He says here, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's a character image. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn from the dead. Firstborn. We were firstborn uh, with him from the dead when we were raised up out of the water grave. Because remember, what does First uh, Peter three twenty one say? And corresponding to the waters of, of Noah's day, baptism now saves you. It's not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but it's an appeal to God for a good conscience 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You were united with Jesus Christ when you were immersed and you were raised up to walk in newness of life like him, spiritually glorified in him. Look at verse 30. Verse 30, how important verse 30 is. And these whom he predestined, that's us, Christian, he also called through the gospel, and these whom he called, he also justified, made innocent before God through the blood of Jesus, and these whom he justified, he also glorified through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Going back to the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Brethren, you're saying, wow, that's an awful lot. Yes, it is. But brethren, let's finish point number two and then I'll do point number three next week. It would fit perfect in point number three next week. But I want to finish point number two. We got to get it finished. The glory of God is magnificent character is magnificent character is in us and we dwell in his magnificent character as Christians right now. If you choose to walk by faith and not by sight, the scriptures teach those truths. But let's take a look at, at this second bullet point in, in a verse, uh, this passage of scripture in John. So I'm turning back to John chapter 17, and we will take a look at verse 23. John chapter 17, verse 23. I in them, I in them. Who's in them? Jesus is in them. I am in them, and you are in me. Did you know that John chapter 14 and verse 23 says that if we will obey his commandments, he and his father will come and make their abode with us, our home with us? Have you been obedient to the gospel? If you're obedient to the gospel, then God has made his abode in you. The fullness of deity dwells in you. Colossians chapter two says that. And so brethren, we need to recognize and understand verse 23 is talking about Christ and his father indwelling us through his Holy Spirit. I in them and you in me. But look at the next one. That they may be perfected. Why did God come and enter our bodies? That, for this reason, they, the Christians, may be perfected in unity. You can't be perfect in unity without the Holy Spirit. But if you don't understand the working of the Holy Spirit, you can't be perfected either. So we need to understand this glory and the spirit and how it works together, to how he works together to transform us. The next one, that they may be perfected in unity so that, again, important words, so that means for this reason. Why does he want us to be perfected in unity? So that, two very important things. Take a look at what they are. So that they may so that the world may know that you sent me. First of all, if we're perfected in unity, the world will know that we are not normal. We're rather strange. We're rather peculiar. Isn't that what the scripture says? That we need to be strangers and aliens in this world. So that when we're, when we're working together in unity and people come in and say, wow, you guys really like each other. And you don't give a, a cross look at somebody who comes in new. How many have ever gone into a church building before, first time, and everybody kind of looks at you like, ooh, you're not from this part, are you? Anybody ever have a look like that when you've come into a church body before? Did you get that look when you came in from me? She's saying, no, I know you didn't. Holly's saying, come on, quit picking on me. <laughs> 
I was excited when I saw you, honestly. I was. I hope my reaction was such when I ran over to, wait, all right. You see, you need to recognize and understand something here, folks, is that people are going to see Christ in us. The world will see Christ in us. So the reason he wants us to be perfected in unity is so the world can see the reality that God exists, that Jesus Christ really is. You see the power then of glory manifest in us as we love one another even as he has loved us. John 13, verse 34 and 35. There's power in that, brethren. And Jesus says it will actually touch people's conscience. There's power in that. But look at what else it says. The second reason why the Lord has given us the spirit that we'd be perfected in unity. The first one is so that the world may know that you sent me and, conjunction, loved them even as you have loved me. You know what? Jesus Christ so loved the world that he gave his only, or God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So who does Jesus love? Just us who are in the church? Yeah, we're special. Everybody else, they're dogs outside. Dogs outside. Well, that's the Jewish mindset. You know what? Jesus Christ bore the sins of who on the cross? Scripture says all. Hey, let's go to John 3.16. You can keep your finger in John 17. Let's go to John 3.16. You know what? I see it. I've seen it enough. I don't watch football anymore, but I've seen it enough. When I was watching football, John 3.16 means something. It's on every goalpost and, and people's eyelids and stuff like that. But uh, Tebow, what's that guy's name? Tim Tebow, yeah. Well, anyway, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You're saying, well, that still doesn't say he loves everybody. Still doesn't say necessarily he died for everybody. I know you need proof. Thank you for wanting proof. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. For God so loved the world, he gave his son for everybody. He bore the sins of all the world in his body. Everybody has the opportunity for salvation, but you have to embrace it. You have to receive it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2 in verse 2. It says here in verse 2, there's always little tiny verses. Okay. And he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole church. Remember, we're an exclusive club. Eh, wrong. That's not what it says. What it says, he is the propitiation for the whole world. All the sins of the world were poured into his body on the cross. Your sin and my sin and everybody else, it doesn't matter what sin they have. Their sin was born in his body on the cross. And they have opportunity to receive that salvation through the gospel because Jesus paid for their life. Now they could choose to pay for their life by rejecting Jesus. He gives us free will. But brother, we need to recognize and understand that you're the voice, you're the heart, you're the hands, you're the kindness, you're the compassion of Christ Jesus. People in the world need to see the glory of God in his church. The church needs to see the glory of God 
first in the church. If we can't get it figured out amongst ourselves, how are we going to bring any kind of message to the world? Don't you love it that God gave us our physical family so that we could get things figured out in our physical family behind closed doors? Unless your kids tell on you. <laughs> you're okay, Rick. Your, your, your son divulged nothing today in class. Nothing. But you better not say anything about what I said earlier about older people. You got it? Thanks, Gabe. You're a good man. <laughs> you're always welcome in our class, by the way, Rick. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're welcome. So we need to recognize and understand the glory of God in the church is going to go, whoa, people are going to look and go, man, you guys really do like each other. What's going on? Jesus is going on in our lives. We are seated with him and he is in us. And we're genuine and we're positive that we really do live in his presence every moment of our lives. You see, brethren, this message is so critical and I'd love to finish it, but whoa, I'm once again way over time. Now, Peter preached long sermons. How come I can't? <laughs> just, just kidding. All right. We're going to finish up next week. Look at that last, that, and you could do it for homework if you wanted. That last point, point number three, Christ desires to see his glory. Christ desires to see his glory. That's why he filled us with his glory and he seated us with him. He desires that we would see his glory because it does something for us and it does something to us and it manifests itself to those outside and that's when the world changes and is drawn to the light of Christ. Brethren, that's really what this is about. I hope you'll come back next week and if you're watching, I hope you come back next week too so that we'll finish this up. Let's pray. Father, when we finish, we always saying, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, really, Father, uh, people are kind of full of people telling them that, that your son is Lord because they haven't seen it. Oh, Father, I pray that we get all excited and go show everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I want to change that up for today and for next week. Let's get all excited. Go show everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's please stand. And I'm going to turn myself off here. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go show everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go show everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go show everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. All right, let's do it. Thank you. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.